Hello and welcome back to Catapult Your Career, where we delve into the reality of various careers uh, and explore practical advice for numerous professions. Um, and on this episode, uh, this will be uh, the season one roundup of the nine episodes we've had so far, um, interviewing a wealth of different guests, which has been uh, an absolute privilege and hopefully you as the listeners uh, have found it insightful. Um, but one of the things which I thought was the key theme uh, from a lot of the ones we, we kind of met and recorded with some of the guests was some of the key skills they all shared. Um, so hence, what I want to do today is kind of share nine skills to hopefully level up your career. Um, and we're going to share a skill that I took from each of the episodes. Um, and yeah, hopefully what we do at the end um, we're going to give an open invite as well to think about some of the other careers that you would like to hear on this this channel um, <clears throat> and perhaps some other things in terms of coaching or, or different aspects that will be valuable for you. So without further ado, I suppose, uh, the very first episode, we had Tando Jacobs on, um, who's a business analyst. Um, and overwhelmingly, uh, the biggest thing I pulled out of that conversation is around communications. And I would say specifically communication style. So we often talk about, pardon me, I often talk about um, emotional intelligence uh, and what it's like to be on the receiving end of you. And communication is a massive part of this. And I think in that particular episode, Tando uh, and myself were talking about how we pitch things to the right audience. So if you were, especially in the world of a business analyst, you're going to have numerous processes, numerous steps and projects that you might create or you'll be leading. Um, but if you're going to be talking to, say, the CEO, as opposed to a software developer, you might frame that conversation in a completely different way. Now, um, I've worked at a couple of different organisations. The general theme I've seen are more kind of um, what we call the C-suite. So people who are at a board level position, so a senior level, um, often like to get the, the overview of what you're, you're trying to address or the problem. Um, and how is it going to affect it? you know, the, the issue that you're, you're bringing to the table, um, what's the kind of key outliers and what, what can I do to kind of support? And it's all really wrapped up in almost a five-minute conversation max. Whereas perhaps if I was going to a software developer about something, and this was, I think, the example we were talking about with Fan, uh, Tando, sorry, um, you might go into much more detail around this is the knock-on effect, this is what we need, this is the resources, et cetera, et cetera. So the biggest thing for me in terms of levering up your career in terms of communication style um, is really assessing who you're speaking to uh, and ultimately what do they want to hear and how is it going to land with them um, you know it's even simply when you're talking about communication if you're talking to depending on your role if you're talking to say a student you might phrase language more simply whereas if you're talking to someone who's considered an expert in their field you might go into more depth so that was a, just the, the, the key one I think there's so many skills for every single of these episodes but the key one for me is really understand who you're talking to. How is the information you're sharing going to land with them? Um, and that will give you a, a darn sight better chance of kind of communicating a, in, in a good style and a good way with, with that colleague. So the second one uh, was with Natasha, uh, who's a career coach, um, which, again, was a, a really uh, fun and interesting conversation. And we touched on something that, you know, I truly probably one of the most passionate things I feel uh, is on values in that episode. And I think I, I mentioned, I suppose, my values in terms of uh, kind of fulfillment, integrity, lifelong learning and freedom. 
Um, and what is the importance of having these values? Because yes, they're just a couple of words you can chuck out and great. Yes, you, you can memorize some words, Michael. I'm really impressed. But what does that actually mean? Um, and for me, values, the importance of values is by using them as a filter for all the decisions you make in your life. Now, the key bit I've kind of mentioned previously, uh, and we kind of spoke a little bit in that podcast with Natasha, was values can change. You know, they possibly probably won't be changing day to day, week to week, but after perhaps major life events or every five to 10 years, could be children, could be a person of a family member, kind of key values can often change um, in those moments. But I often, my personal perception of values is these are like the core component. If you can uh, cut me in half, what are the core component within me that if I feel deeply irked by something so like a bit annoyed or something's really kind of got to me and and I'm not sure why if I kind of look at it in the cold light of day it's often tagged one of these values so a key one to kind of say is integrity so if I feel someone has kind of gone behind my back or said something or or cast judgment on my behavior without giving me a fair chance or fair opportunity and I'm really really kind of um, angry to my core it's often because I feel like it's tagged that in uh, integrity sorry it's tagged that integrity value um, but likewise, if I feel like I'm very much stuck in terms, I can only do uh, free roles. It has to be done a certain way. I can't enact any creative freedom on, on, on doing something, whether it's my job, professionally or personally. And I feel hurt. You can see how that takes the, the kind of freedom value that I hold. And I suppose to kind of pull that one <clears throat> to a close, you can see why I've landed in the world of coaching and coaching very much kind of tackles those four values. I mean, freedom, you know, to be able to coach anywhere in the world um, and to kind of do it consistently to give you the the lifestyle and and income is obviously a part of that, to live the life you want to live. um, That that is quite integral to me, to to have that that freedom aspect. Um, Lifelong learning, you know, the word perfect you could almost say is frowned upon perhaps in the world of coaching. Like you can never, I, I personally, sorry, I personally feel that you can never be a perfect coach. So I can always learn, even when I'm like 65, 70 and I'm old and gray, I'm already a little bit gray, but not, not, not too gray. When I'm old and gray, 65, 70, I'll still have things I can learn and still improve on. And for me, that lifelong learning trait is really important for me because some of my best days are when I feel like I've learned something. So again, that's integral. Um, integrity you know if you're you know coaching is a very vulnerable space you know people are opening themselves up to big transitions and big changes in their professional personal life and if you can't deal with that situation with a a sense of integrity um, then I wouldn't say coaching is the best profession for you and you know really being kind of confidential in the details you deal with not sharing them um, but really kind of being in a place where you're there to guide you know, support and challenge them. I think integrity is almost that golden theme that runs through the whole kind of profession of coaching. So again, you know, something that very much applies. And then finally, fulfillment. Um, I always say when we talk about the kind of start with why and what what perhaps someone's purpose is, for me, it's to inspire people to do what inspires them. And for me, there's not many more things that can be more fulfilling than that. So that's just a flavour of my values and how you can see I've used it as a filter uh, for perhaps the future decisions, the careers I, I chose or choose going forward. Um, but that that's taken you know a couple of years of practice and to, you know and, and that will still continually change and warp into different things. 
Um, but yeah, that that again from Natasha, a really good conversation, a lovely lady, and always kind of a pleasure to to kind of speak to her. But that was one of the key concepts I brought out on that. And then we go into our third episode. <clears throat> Pardon me, with Daniel Flint, who's a, a developer. And the the one thing I loved about this episode, and and I think Daniel was a bit mindful as well. He's saying, you know, and the people don't want to listen to this. They don't want to hear about the world of tech and the world of developing. Um, but you know, I, I I think I can't speak for Daniel. I think he kind of really enjoyed the episode himself to kind of share his knowledge and insight. And I had a lot of people reach out to me personally to say how much they enjoyed this episode. Um, especially because they thought, as soon as they saw the word developer, they thought, nah, this one's not for me. I, I, I'll pass on this. But they, they stuck to it, and they stuck through it, and they really enjoyed, and they were really glad they listened to the episode. Um, <clears throat> and the core concept I, I pulled out of this, the core skill, was self-awareness. And I think Daniel mentioned this um, when he was talking about various jobs and various aspects that he had done in the past, and how by utilising this self-awareness, to be more understanding about what perhaps would be the jobs or the tasks or the activities he would do going forward. Um, and I think this is this is massive. I mean, I suppose if I lean on my own personal experience, when I went to university and I took uh, initially took accounting and finance, but swapped in my second year to business management, um, there's so many jobs you can apply for. Say if you want to do a job that's related to your degree. I mean, that's a, a whole other conversation in itself. But there's so many jobs that are aligned to the business discipline. And frankly, it was overwhelming. And by having some self-awareness, I did a few um, kind of roles uh, in accounting space. So uh, whether it's petty accounts or something more more wider. Um, and very, very quickly, I realized, crikey, I can't be doing this. This is not for me. Um, and it's quite important to sometimes know what you don't like as much as you do like. Because for me, having that self-awareness of how I felt doing accounting, did it kind of align to what I want to do? Did it kind of, I suppose, did it have a passion? Did it burn a fire inside me? And for all of those questions, the answer was no. Um, I think it quite quickly allowed me to kind of cut off. When I'm going for more future disciplines or future roles in the world of business, all roles linked to accountancy, I can completely disregard. And my kind of, and I'm doing this visually with my hands, but my kind of, my path went from, you know, a, a very wide path of very roles, uh, various roles, various disciplines to kind of a more um, streamlined one. And that was a, that was absolutely massive for me to, to, to know what I want to pursue going forward. And I think for, for people, when they do roles and jobs and they think I haven't got any work experience, it could be even in the personal um, situations we experience. It could be, do you enjoy talking to people, you know? Do you enjoy problem solving? Do you like enjoy helping out people, whether it's in a physical sense um, or, or not? And there's so many situations we can reflect on in our life, not necessarily in our professional kind of day jobs, but also our personal life that will allow us to be a bit of a guide of what the things we don't like and what are things we perhaps want to explore. So that, that was, a, again, a, a great, great skill in terms of self-awareness that I think uh, user listeners can really kind of start to draw on. And then our fourth episode, uh, with Diraj, who's a chief tech officer. Again, uh, really, really good episode, this one. Um, and, you know, f thanks again for Diraj to kind of uh, coming and talking around the tech industry. Uh, a chap who's got a lot of experience when it comes to that field. And we've got to dive in depth with kind of some of the key elements that he does. But the key thing I took out of that in terms of the skill, 
and we both kind of riffed on this a little bit was CNC consistency and curiosity. Um, and I've heard this, and I think I mentioned this in the episode with Diraj, and he kind of supported the point. The more and more I kind of delve into podcasts or books or various different mediums, and I kind of look at what we as society deem as successful people, some of the biggest things they kind of relate to that were some of the reasons for their success was doing something consistently um, for a long period of time. So five, 10 years at the, at the least is often what I've heard and being curious. And, you know, this goes against, it's not sexy. It goes against a lot of the things of making quick money and wanting to get the bag and, you know, earn a lot of money in a short period of time. Perhaps, you know, you could say that's partly down to as well. We've got new things in place like cryptocurrency and other bits where people are trying to trade. It, the increase of um, trading has been quite um, attractive to a lot of people in terms of that idea of making quick money. And it's not to say it can't happen. And it's not, you know, just because I haven't done anything doesn't mean it's not possible. And again, like I always say, please take what I say with a pinch of salt. It's just a for me to poke questions and to kind of delve into your subconscious a little bit um, and get you to start picking out things that might apply for you. But for me, everything that I've done well, and when I listen to peers and others through these mediums, podcasts and others, they've done things for five, 10 years consistently. They've done one thing a week, kind of aiming towards that overarching goal. And the whole time, never at one point, they thought they knew everything. And I always say, you know, if you think you know everything, you know nothing. Because as soon as you get to that point, you're like, no, that's it. Don't need to learn anymore. I know everything. The world and life can pass you by in an instant. And that was especially uh, very present in when we were talking about the tech industry, how things can completely change within a week, let alone a month. So for me, consistency and curiosity, this is something I kind of hold quite deep in my personal beliefs as well, um, that you know, people will look from afar, they won't know the trials and tribulations you go through. But if you constant, consistently, sorry, graft, um, and graft is a subjective matter, whatever it is for you, just doing one small thing every week per se, you know, there'll be weeks and months that nothing happens. And then you'll get a little blip on the graph, where something big will happen, whatever it is, both professionally or personally, someone will reach out to you that, you know, you didn't think was possible, you'll secure a, a gig, you'll secure a new job, um, you know, you're kind of um, reach a, an increase in physical or mental health. Um, it, it can be anything in terms of your 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 life, I suppose. Um, but yeah, always having an open mind and always continuously kind of marching towards something, I think is is massive for, for me. And then <clears throat> we go to the the fifth episode, and that was with Kate Kate Everett, um, who is in the the world of marketing and PR. Uh, absolutely uh, love Kate. She, she. I'm gonna say, it and I'll say it to her face. She's man is a box of frogs. Um, but there's a reason why I like to speak to her and keep with her because every time I speak to her, she inspires me to the nth degree. Um, and I think a lot of people who keep close company with Kate would say the same thing. Um, you know, normal is boring. I don't. I'm not a normal person. I don't think anyone is to a certain degree a normal person. And she truly kind of lives her life. Um, in alignment with her authentic self. There's no kind of mask, I suppose, with Kate. And I think the biggest thing, talking about her charisma, I suppose, is the skill I pulled out of that was seeking a culture that complements you. And you can see um, how 
people like Kate and, and the, the success that her organisation is having, from afar, it's easy to see why. Because if you have someone with that level of charisma that truly values other human beings and wants the best for other people, and I think she even mentioned something along the lines of, I believe it was 20% time is dedicated to everybody for their own kind of professional or personal development, um, which, you know, it's easy to talk a big game and to say we love culture and we think it's important. But, you know, as we say, actions are always speak louder than words. And for, for Kate to kind of implement that in her business, I think just speaks to her personality and her character. Um, and I think there's a piece for you, again, coming back to this link of skills to level up your career. I think it's important not to realise you can do a whole lot in your control. I think people don't realise how much is actually within their own control in terms of how they can manifest and change their life. And people hear the word manifest and they go, oh, crikey, that's woo-woo and all the rest of it. But, you know, I've seen people, I could even use my own experience of myself, how, you know, things aren't always easy, but we have a lot more control of our own situation than we believe. Um, it might not take, um, you know, it might take longer than you want. And I, I, I'm probably a victim of that. I like to have things fairly quickly. But, you know, sooner or later, if you put in the consistent effort, um, you can have a lot more control over your life. Um, that than you think but what really complements that and helps you kind of go to another degree is by being in a, a group or a culture of like-minded individuals that also push you along and they've either been there done it got the t-shirt and that inspires you or they can sit in the mud uh, and be in the same situation as you and empathize and truly understand how you feel so I think for me the key skill I suppose I saw from that was seeking a culture that complements you seeking a network of individuals that are thinking the same way um, that have, the, I would argue, the same values and the same kind of personality and character traits um, because that can really kind of elevate you to, to the next level. And then my, my sixth episode, and that was with Trang, um, which was, again, a really kind of positive episode, uh, still jealous of her, her adventures in Bali. Um, but we talked about a lot of different things in that episode. But the key skill, the key thing I took out of that was around the spotlight syndrome. And for those who don't know what this is, it's for a lot of people, perhaps are more familiar with the word imposter syndrome. But the spotlight syndrome is simply they always feel like if you were to visualise when you're watching a play or a theatre or something like that, and the spotlight shines on someone we imagine that spotlight is on us whilst we're doing certain activities or throughout our life. Um, and I think for me, the key piece I took around this is obviously there's a key uh, link to insecurities and self-confidence around this piece. But often the things that can trigger these feelings is comparison. And cliches, you know, can be cringy or cheesy, but I think they're cliches for a reason sometimes. And, you know, comparison being the thief of joy, I think there's a lot of truth in it. I think when people, if they reflect and they go on their Instagrams, their TikToks, their social media platforms, if you're not careful, and I spoke about this a, a while ago, about cultivating your library. So if you're not careful with the people you follow, you know, how does it feel when you look at different followers and look at different people? Does it leave you feeling energised or does it take the energy out of you and think, oh, I wish I had this, oh, I wish I did this, you know? You, now, everyone will, this is again subjective, everyone will um, respond in different ways to followers. You might respond in, uh, it might inspire you to think, oh, look at all the things they've got and all the rest of it. 
But I personally think it's down to how they convey that message. Yes, they might have perhaps materialistic possessions or other things that you would like at some point. But how do they convey that message to you? And how does it make you feel? And I think often everyone in this world is struggling with something. And we have to be wary that when people project their own insecurities, you know, when they act with anger, when they act with malice, it's not often because of something you've done. It's often because of something they haven't got. It's often because of a gap within themselves. And perhaps you are smiling and you're happy and you might be mentioning family, might be physical health, might be something. And that rubs someone up the wrong way because actually for them, you act as a mirror around their insecurities and what they have missing in their lives. And they will attack you for just that. And I think for me, that spotlight syndrome and being wary that not everyone's looking at you, you're not on the spotlight. You know, so many people are worried about their own lives. Oh, what am I going to have for teeth tonight? You know, what's for lunch? Oh, I've got all this work to do. Oh, I need to go and give me mum a call. There's so many like thoughts bubbling around in their brain. They might be thinking about you for a split second and then it's gone. And if you were to think about you and how you consider other people, are you constantly thinking about that person's skirt or how they're dressed or what they, they've said? Are you thinking about it for, what, five minutes, 30 minutes, a day, a week? You know, you probably consider it for a few seconds and it's, it's gone outside your brain. So for me, again, in terms of levelling up your career, one of the key things you're going to have to do is stepping out your comfort zone. And you might feel like the spotlight's always on you and people always watching every move and thinking, you know, oh, look at what they're doing. I bet they're rubbish. I bet they're this. I bet they're that. But I, I truly believe people's perceptions and what people say to you is often driven from their own insecurities than what they're saying about you, what you're potentially lacking. And then on to the seventh episode. So as we're, we're kind of starting to draw to a close, um, the seventh episode was with a, a really good friend, Joe, who is a sports writer. And I think this one was quite easy for me in terms of the skill I pulled out of this conversation. And for me, uh, it was clearly around resilience. Now, for those who have heard the episode, um, Joe mentioned something which I think a lot of people, especially people in their early careers, could probably familiarise themselves with. And he said he's probably applied for roughly 50, 60 odd jobs. And I remember when I left university, and it's quite interesting that often when people leave university, you know, you feel like you're entitled to a job, you're just gonna walk into X job with X salary and X benefits. Um, but it's often not the case. Um, and I had to apply for loads of different jobs and I still had to work my way up in terms of work experience and understanding of what I like and don't like. Um, and it wasn't, you know, different to Joe. Joe applied for 60 odd jobs, you know, in the world of being a sports writer or in that journalist piece of that industry um, is often the cutthroat one. Um, it's often something that a lot of people want to enter. But Joe didn't let all those applications, I suppose, get him down. You know, he, he's not to say he would have been sunshine and rainbows every minute of every day for those months or those years when he was making that that kind of trans uh, transformation, I suppose, in terms of his career. But he felt that, he felt the kind of um, unhappiness perhaps or the, the, the annoyance with kind of perhaps not getting a role, but he continued to strive on anyway. And I think for me, there's a key thing about purpose here and understanding why you do things, um, because that can often then build a lot of resilience to when you're doing tough uh, uh, kind of jobs or tough roles or tough aspects. 
Um, and I think we also spoke around there about being directionally correct. You know, I, I can't speak for Joe. I don't know what his dream is in terms of being a sports writer, whether it's, you know, writing for the mighty Newcastle that he uh, he supports, who are, who are very much flying at the minute. But he, you know, he applied for small little jobs. He did hospital radio. He did loads of volunteering, you know, just to build up his experience. And even some of the smaller ones, which weren't even paid, he would kind of be rejected from. But he didn't let that stop his dream and stop his ambition and his tenacity to continue down that path. So I think there's, we have to be wary. I'm glad how the world is evolving slowly to be more inclusive of others. Um, and whether it's controversial or not, you know, I, I'm mindful of just not making sure we don't have too little resilience in ourselves and, and the, the younger generations coming up. You know, you think about comp, uh, participation medals and especially sports. Sports are a massive leveller. And that kind of builds lots of skills in people, especially resilience, I would say. And I think it's a very underrated skill. And unfortunately, resilience almost feels like a controversial skill sometimes. But for me, no doubt about it. I think it's important for us when we go on our, embark on our journeys whilst we're, we have many trials and, and many tribulations along the way. And then penultimate episode. So number eight was about strategy consulting with Faris. Um, and the key skill for me, I definitely drew out of this, was prioritisation. And we kind of, we both applied it both in the business con, uh, context, but also a personal context. And this kind of made me refer, actually, when I was reflecting on the conversation to the, uh, a book I've read called, uh, I think it's Make Happen, or um, it's by a chap called Jake, and I'll, I'll leave a, a, a link to it in the show notes. But it's very much centred around a daily highlight. And it's kind of what one thing do I want to accomplish by the end of the day? You know, what would give me the most joy? What would kind of is the most uh, dependent in terms of time or deadlines? And this prioritization piece, I think we can so easily, especially with social media, there's so many distractions in our life that can pull us off off um, course. Um, and I, I kind of referred to a letter to myself exercise, which will perhaps help yourself if you haven't heard the episode already. Um, with this prioritisation piece. And for me, the letter to myself task and how I've kind of uh, done it myself is to project myself into the future. So say it's say we're, um, we're now October, October 2023. On that, I would say uh, it's October 2024. It's been a truly amazing year. And these are the reasons why. And I would list, say, three to five key reasons you know, audacious goals that I have in the, the bottom of my heart that I would love to do, and I would put them on there. And I would often, if you can, put it somewhere quite open where you're going to see it most days. So I have it written on a whiteboard, uh, a whiteboard, sorry, in my office. So most days I will walk across it and see these these goals. So mine was I set it last year. So um, they're on there for December 2023. So we're we're coming to the end of that that year, and. For me, once I have that high overall goals that I'm aiming for, there's a piece to then reverse engineer backwards. So say if a goal was, um, I don't know, uh, to kind of change jobs or, or to earn a certain salary or to kind of uh, uh, raise it like a side hustle, so a different, a different business alongside your main job, you might have that as one of your overarching goals. And then how can you work backwards from that point? 
So if it was to, say, earn a set revenue from your side hustle, say, let's say something simple as £12,000, if you were to work backwards, say, per quarter, so quarter every three months, what would you hope to accomplish in three months from that? So from six months, from nine months? And then eventually, what would you hope to accomplish in a month? What are some of the key tasks you need to do to even get revenue? Do you need to raise awareness? Do you need to create leads? Do you need to create a podcast? Whatever it may be, break that massive high level goal into small little chunks. And as I always say, there's 52 weeks in a year. What is one thing you're going to uh, prioritise across that week or even that day that will move you just one step closer to that overarching goal? And I think if we, you know, often quarterly for me is a really good point to check in with these goals. Just because you set something doesn't mean you have to stick to it forever. But I think it will give you a good understanding to assess the, the changes in your life, perhaps both professionally and personally. See if these goals still apply to you. See if they're still important. And if so, align you back to what are you prioritising? Because what you do, you know, your actions are more um, more powerful than you realise because what you put time to is often what you get. And then finally, uh, the last uh, episode nine with uh, Super Judy Braun, SJ. Um, again, really uh, enjoyable podcast for those you uh, who listened. I'm sure you would agree. Um, lots of energy. Um, and we talk, spoke a lot about kind of the, the job market and helping people kind of transition and get jobs they, they wish they had. Uh, and a key piece for me uh, and a skill that we took out of that conversation was networking. And this is something I actually did myself. And this is a, perhaps a, a rather practical skill or insight for you to hopefully take away that will give you value. Um, and it's targeting you, but three to five years ahead. So when I um, embarked on my journey of trying to become a coach, um, seeking out education, what's the educational requirements, what's perhaps skills requirements, um, what would this be something I truly want to do? At multiple stages along my journey, and I still do it to this day, I sought out people who were me, but three to five years ahead. So me, but when I was starting my journey of thinking, right, okay, I now understand the educational requirements. For me personally, I'm going to undertake formalized training because I don't want to just call myself a coach. I want to have clear, not just experience and life experience, which is perhaps equally as important, but clear fundamentals and clear formal training and processes that I can follow to actually deliver people results. And when I did that, I looked at other people who were uh, accredited and qualified coaches, some through the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, some through EMCC, the European Mentoring Coaching Council, and some from the AC, the Association of Coaching. These are the, the three main bodies when it comes to the coaching industry. And I sought from them, you know, how did they find their course? Um, would they have chosen a different provider? Would they have gone to a different kind of, um, would they, so would someone from the AC, um, if they had their time of going, done it through ICF? Um, I wouldn't say one's better than the other. For my, um, I suppose, knowledge so far, I know the ICF is very much regarded as one of the, the, the biggest bodies when it comes to the coaching industry, but that, that can definitely change over time. And then once I understood, okay, I know now I'm going to undertake the ICF. I want to go down that path. Um, what providers did people do? Um, and then once I kind of narrowed down to two or three providers, I then again did the same thing. Who is me who's gone to that provider and where are they two, three years after that, that, that process? 
are people from this provider gone on to, to greater success? Um, and of course, there's lots of different factors involved. It's not just the education provider, but how did that provider help um, support them for their kind of the future post qualification, which, you know, once you get your qualification, that's great. But that's just the start of the journey for, for a coach. Um, and you'll be surprised how helpful people are that want to support you. You know, if you think about the receiving end, if someone messages you and they do it in a polite manner, um, you know, it makes you feel like warm and fuzzy in your heart to feel that you have a, a bit of knowledge, you're, you're seen to a certain expe- uh, extent as an expert, and that you can help pave the way, you can help support someone else who's embarking on their journey. And I try and do them that exactly for other coaches. You know, I'm still very much um, in the initial stages of my journey, albeit that the transformation I've done for multiple people I'm, I'm truly kind of blessed and happy with. But, you know, this is this is a, a long journey and I'm still happy to help other people who are, are considering the world of, of coaching. So those are just kind of nine key skills, I would say. So we've got the communication style. Um, so kind of pitching things in the right way um, understanding your values, you know, using this as a filter for your decisions in your life. You've got self-awareness, you know, something which is absolutely integral to understand how things affect you. And how, when you're making future decisions, you can reflect on the past, perhaps. We've got consistency and curiosity. Um, so doing things for long periods of time, but always being open to new ways of working. Um, we've got seeking a culture that complements you. So finding your tribe, as often I say. Finding people with like-minded values um, and kind of character traits. We've got the spotlight syndrome. So not always thinking perhaps everyone's looking at you, everyone's saying, oh, you've done this wrong, you've done this. Um, reflecting on actually, you know, people, perhaps if they give us negative feedback, they're often, it's a reaction from their own insecurities um, and to be self-confident in what we're doing. Uh, we've got resilience, which again, I think is a, a really underrated skill. You know, whatever we do, um, there will be, you know, life is a roller coaster. There will be challenges along the way, and it's having resilience to that and still overcoming them. Uh, we've got prioritization, which again is is incredibly important, especially with that consistency piece. You know, if you're going to do something for a long period of time, you know, being uh, keeping prioritization at the back of your mind to say, how does this relate to my longer term strategy, whether it's a year, three years, five years, is what I'm doing today moving me closer to my end goal. And finally, networking, you know, targeting you, but three to five years ahead, whatever that is, it might be in your health, might be in careers, might be in jobs, it can be absolutely anything, might be even in a hobby. Um, I think that's also a, a really important piece and something I hold true to myself in terms of thinking, how do I create a tight knit community of like minded individuals, um, regardless of if it's professional or personal sense, that will all move into kind of shape the world in, in a place where I would like to leave it. So hopefully that's kind of giving you some food for thought. That's nine skills to level up your career. Um, please, you know, give a, a review of the podcast. It's really interesting to hear people's thoughts. Um, I've got links to my kind of LinkedIn and my website. So please reach out. It'd be interesting to know what have you enjoyed listening on the podcast? And actually, what would you like to hear? You know, we're blessed that we're more linked, interlinked with other kind of careers and professions um, than we know. So if there are certain careers that you're interested in, or if indeed you actually want to transition your own career and you want to um, overcome challenges that you're facing in your life, 
um, feel free to book a consultation with me and we can kind of help support you on that way. And I'm always very um, honest that if it, I can't help you personally, um, I'm sure we'll definitely know someone who can help you. So it's not always a case of I'm the expert and I will be able to always support you. But at the end of the day, if we can all, every single one of us, treat people with a bit more kindness and love, you know, the world's going to be a hell of a lot more caring and compassionate. So thanks again for listening to season one. Season two will be out soon and we'll start to delve into some more careers. We've got um, an accountant. I think we might be having a, a CEO or CFO, Chief Finance Officer. Um, we've got someone from the farming and agricultural industry. So we're really changing it up. And I think we've even got someone um, from the world of military, the world in the army. So um, hopefully uh, look forward to kind of releasing season two. Let us know if you have any feedback. I'm always here. And as always, thanks again for listening to Catapult Your Career.